What is going on, guys? Welcome back to episode three of the Give and Go podcast. And yes, I know it's been a while, but you know what I was thinking over the past couple weeks. I've been on vacation, but I was like, you know, why why rush a podcast episode if there's nothing if there's nothing going on? So it was an NBA podcast. Uh, there was nothing really going on in the NBA. So that led me with conversations with my friends and, you know, just thinking what would be best big picture. I decided, you'll see you guys see my logo um, after this episode, but I decided to change the Give and Go podcast to talk about the football, baseball, and basketball every single episode. This is going to be a full trifecta, uh, tri-sport podcast, which I'm just going to try to touch on every sport the most I can throughout the episode. I think that's more fun for me. I think, I, I mean, there's some guys that don't just watch the NBA and just watch more things. I know I have a lot of friends that are big baseball fans, big football fans. I mean, I think everybody's a big football fan. I think that's safe to say. Pretty much just adding just adding more things with this podcast just instead of strictly saying to one sport. So yeah, so we're going to start with the MLB. And the MLB is absolutely nuts right now. I mean, that Reds-Pirates brawl was one of the craziest things that I've ever seen. I, I didn't watch it live. But I got home last night at like one one thirty. Saw saw the videos on Twitter and everything. It, it was just it was nuts. So these teams hate each other, and it was it was eleven three in the top of the ninth, and it all started in the top of the seventh when um Kella threw a Dietrich's head, and there was a long history between these teams. I mean, if you if you guys follow baseball, you'll know that Derek Dietrich he, he's known for staring and just watching his home runs against the Pirates. He wants a three in one game, watch them all, walk the bases, and then it's just his tension. These team these teams just don't like each other. So in this at bat in the seventh inning, Kella struck out Dietrich. And then he stared down the whole entire Reds bench, and this initially upset uh, Joey Votto the most. And once this started, like once the stare down happened and Dietrich struck out in the, in the seventh, the, the chirping just did not stop from then. And uh, Jack Hughes came into the game for the Reds and and threw at the Pirates, and he instantly got ejected. And here comes Amir Garrett. Amir Garrett. If you don't if you don't know what happened with this brawl, you just watch it, and then Amir Garrett will be the first person you know who who he is. So Amir Garrett comes in after Jack Hughes was ejected, and there is instant mayhem. The interim manager, because uh, David Bell was ejected, he came out to talk to him, and he, he, uh, Amir Garrett had his, had his glove covering his mouth, and he was like, I mean, I'm pretty sure this is what he was like. He was like, get somebody out here. I'm about to fight this whole goddamn team. I'm ready. I'm done. I'm going. So please get somebody out here and get the whole team ready. So Amir Garrett then throws his glove off, raises his hands in the air, and runs at the whole entire Pirates bench and just starts swinging punches and punches and everything. And David Bell, who was ejected, comes out. And this is a whole fight. This is a five-minute fight. This was ridiculous. Yashiel Puig was traded. He's not even a Cincinnati Red anymore. And he's the first one there to defend Amir Garrett, his teammate. Or not his teammate, because he's traded. But he's the first one there fighting everybody. And him, David Bell, and Amir Garrett were, were nuts in this. And then... David Bell was yelling at Clint Hurdle, like, you're a, you're a POS, you're a POS. This was, it was absolutely nuts. And then uh, there's just Josh Bell tried to just separate everybody. And then there were people getting, Chris Archer got shoved to the ground and was getting stomped on by everybody. And it was, it was, it was ridiculous. There are just major fines, suspensions, just everything going on right now. I mean, what's going to happen with Puig? Puig? Puig isn't even a Cincinnati Red anymore. What's going to serve a suspension for, for his other team now? Like, what's going to go on? There's a lot of things that happen. It's like David Bell, like, he was right in there. He was throwing punches. And also, what I saw in the video of the fight was Yasiel Puig was fighting everybody. And then his teammates were holding him back. And he was like, no, get off me. You're not going to fight. Don't touch me. Don't hold me back. And David Bell was right there like, yeah, man. Like, we're fighting here. And then you're not gonna, you guys aren't doing anything. They were. <laughs> it was unreal. I've never seen anything like it in the sport of baseball. And then 
I feel like this just kind of flipped a switch for like the second half of the season, like the trade deadline right now, and then I'm I'm just into it now. That's why I wanted to start off with the MLB. I'm like, I gotta talk about this. They're like this is this is awesome. Uh, that was so fun to watch. Like the Reds and Pirates too. I mean, who, who cares about the Reds and the Pirates? But if that happens, I don't care what team it is. I'll watch it. So yeah, that was nuts. So uh, the trade deadline. I'm recording this right now. It's three thirty. The trade deadline. This is about an hour away, and yeah, I just got a notification that the Yankees are out on Wheeler. I, okay, so I'm a Mets fan, and I'm going to talk about the Mets right now. So the talk before this was, are we going to be buyers or sellers? A lot of, And before the whole Stroman thing happened, which I'll obviously touch on, there was rumors that the Mets were going to trade Noah Syndergaard, Edwin Diaz, Zach Wheeler, and just go, go through a complete rebuild. They're actually, that's what people thought, but nobody knows what Brody Van Wagen's going to do because he's unpredictable as a GM of what, in, in terms of what he's going to do. So... I didn't. I, what I initially wanted to do before the Stroman trade was to kind of hold off on trading people, maybe trade Wheeler for for a good prospect, and then uh, get trade Syndergaard in the offseason. You can get a haul for that and just kind of start young next year because we still have a young team uh, besides Robbie Cano and um, Todd Frazier, who I'm actually surprised hasn't been dealt yet. But um, but no, we got Stroman, and I love that we got Stroman. I mean. Michael Kay, or Kay, the pitcher, and the other guy we gave up, they really weren't all that. The, the, um, Kay is in single A right now, and he has a 6.06 ERA, and is giving up two point, uh, is giving up like 3.8 home runs per nine. Like, that's not good at all for a single A 19-year-old. So now you're talking, you get Stroman, who has a 2.96 ERA on a terrible team with the Blue Jays, and they had a really good... Uh, Tenure there since 2015, since he was drafted. Now you're the Mets, and you're looking at a rotation of Degrom, Door, Stroman, Wheeler, and Mats. I see that right now in the depth chart, and I'm like, please don't trade anybody. Last night, Door pitched great. Mets won, and then he pretty much just said, "I'm a Met. Like I've had talks with ownership. Like I'm not going anywhere. Like I, I'm very happy. Two more years of control. He's a good pitcher, and he's had a very good last two months. He started off shaky. I was I was for trading him earlier in the year. I didn't like how he was pitching at all, and I I, I don't think he liked it at all either. Because he was getting rocked. But now, the past two months, he's been very strong. And now you're telling me, after Matt's had his complete game, if he can stay, if he can be well, if he can do good. And then uh, Wheeler, who, who, okay, so Wheeler Wheeler is the more interesting name because he has one more year. This is his last year's control, and then he's going to be a free agent next year. But if you can keep this starting five for the, if you could extend, I'm for extending Wheeler next offseason to maybe a four, 100 mil, give him 100 mil. Like, I would do that. And then, you still have Thor in control. You extend it to Grom. And then I'm, I'm very for extending Stroman if, if I could see him pitch well and I, if I could see the Mets compete. Because right now, right now, the Mets are five games out of the wild card. And they completely, like, flipped it around from what everybody thought was just going to be selling and just trading everyone. No, they've, they've, I think they've made the best rotation in baseball. Right now, they have the best starting five in baseball. And I'm very excited for Mets baseball. And I was more excited when I read this this morning on Twitter from Pete Alonzo. Listen, this is what he said. He tweeted out a message. He said, Mets fans, thank you guys so much for your unwavering support. You guys have been unreal all year. We are in crunch time. We played over two more. We played over two weeks more on the road than at home thus far. During the months of August and September, we're going to have a ton of more home games. The boys are hot, and we've been working our asses off all year. Hard work has been really paying off the second half. The rest of the season is going to be a really fun, wild, and memorable ride. Our goal is to make history. We strive every day to be great and nothing less. We need you guys, the fans, more than ever for these last two months. Together, let's be a part of history. Let's go Mets. I mean, for Pete Alonso to be a rookie and just already 
just sound like that leader and just have that leadership role and that every Mets fan should look up to and everybody like getting hype off him and then him telling the team like the fan base a player telling the fan base that like let's go like let's buckle in these last two months of the season let's compete we have talent we know it's no trick or high we're not hiding what we're doing here we're gonna compete obviously and just telling that to the fans and this Pete Alonso is great I he's my favorite player in baseball right now and I'm so happy that uh that he's a Met and he's gonna be here for the long haul although he's already 24 years old but that's all right see that's the Mets Let's talk, let's uh, let's go to the Bronx. Let's talk about the other New York team, the Yankees. Now, just because I'm a Mets fan, I don't hate the Yankees. I love watching the Yankees play. I want to see them. I want I I like watching them play. I want to see them do well. And I don't do want to win it all, not necessarily, but it's fun watching them because the fan. I love the fans. I I love the fans. They're so interested in every single move. I don't know. I feel like it's just a fun bunch. So um, with the Yankees, I want to know how do the fans feel about Cashman? Because me personally, I think Cashman is brilliant. I mean. Getting DJ LeMahieu, who I know that he'll extend next year, two or three years, although he's old, like, that was a great ad, and just all he's done so far, but the trade deadline is about an hour away right now, and he hasn't made one move, and his starting rotation of Tanaka, CeCe, Paxton, Happ, and Domingo Herman have not really been all that great the past two weeks. I mean, Tanaka has a 46 ERA this year against the Red Sox. And their pitching, their starting pitching has just not been well. They haven't been able to go on, go on, to go deep in the games, especially against the Red Sox, like CC and Paxton and Tanaka. They, they they did not start the game well at all. And and this so far this trade deadline, the Yankees fans were very very high on Stroman, Wheeler, uh, Syndergaard, and Bauer. And so far they've struck out on Bauer and Stroman. And those deals, for like I talked about with Stroman, those prospects, neither of them were top 100 prospects, and they really weren't that good pitchers, if I'm being completely honest. I don't know how the Yankees, I don't know how Yankees fans could be okay with not offering something and not trying to, trying to get Stroman. Now, maybe, maybe I'm wrong, and maybe the, the Blue Jays management just had no consideration of trading him to a division rival or the Yankees. Maybe that. But then you look at Trevor Bauer. That package wasn't that much either. And he's going to the Reds, a team that's years away from competing and making the playoffs. And they gave him Yashel Puig in a three-team deal. That was, I mean, again, not really great prospects there. So if I'm a Yankees fan, I'll just stretch my head saying, we, we could have done this. Now, it's not over, but I just got a notification. The Yankees are out on Wheeler because, I mean, we've knew that all along, right? I mean, we've seen that headline at least 10, 15 times. You know, the, a deal between the Mets and the Yankees is highly unlikely. So my question from all this is if, if everything holds, can this pitching staff hold in October? And I'm worried for that. I don't know. If you, if you, if you could have added – oh, phone's ringing. If you could have added a Bauer or a Syndergaard or a Wheeler, your rotation's looking pretty top-notch. But now I look at the Red Sox, and if the Red Sox can even get into the wild card game, they're a scary team. I mean, Mitch Moreland, Xander Bogarts, Ben Attendee, and Mookie Betts are all playing very well. I mean, they're a really, really, really good team, and they should not be underestimated whatsoever, although the Yankees have a division lead right now. So yeah, that, that's, the, that's the baseball aspect of it. It's going to be it's gonna be crazy. We're, we're going to talk baseball. I'm, I'm going to be consistent one a week for the next couple months. Uh, until August of football season, then we'll go right into football and basketball start up in October, and then there'll be the MLB playoffs, and that'll just be like the, the peak season of all sports. Right now, it kind of got a little boring, like, you know, mid, mid-July, mid no basketball, no football, just like baseball games that like was before the All-Star break and no trades were happening. But now, but now after last night with the brawl, that just <laughs> got me all in on sports and baseball for, for the rest of the season. 
So the NFL. The, the NFL is my favorite sports organization ever. Football is my favorite ever, and I could literally just smell it. It's right around the corner. Like, this Sunday, we, I mean, we've made it, football fans. We've made it. This Sunday, there will be a football game every single Sunday until the Super Bowl, whether it's college or the NFL. And preseason is fun to watch. I mean, football. I don't take anything for granted when it comes to football. I, I'm a diehard Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan, as all, as all of you guys know, that know me. And then I watch every single preseason game. I watch every single regular season game. It's just, it's, it's the best. So what I want to do with the, with the football segment today is kind of just touch on what I thought the two uh, biggest divisions are. And what I'm going to talk about all four teams in every single division. Um, about what they've done so far, training camp, what it's looking like for next year, expectations, what uh, what the fans think. So I, my two divisions were, I picked one AFC and one NFC one. I think the AFC one was pretty obvious. I picked the AFC North with the Ravens, Bengals, Steelers, and Browns. And the NFC, and for the NFC, this was tough. I was going back uh, pretty much every division besides the NFC North. I don't, I, I don't know. I feel like that's kind of boring. Like I think like the Lions are the most boring team in the league. And the uh, the Packers, I mean, besides Aaron Rodgers, what do you really want to talk about? Like, I feel LaFleur is a boring coach, and they don't have much, like, man, they don't have a lot of star players on that team. Devontae Adams is, like, a really good receiver. But I'm just talking about, like, from the team aspect, like a defense. Like, their defense is really not that good. They're not really all that special besides Aaron Rodgers. Like, if they didn't have Aaron Rodgers, they had, like, a, a mid-tier quarterback. I think it'd be one of the most just unwatchable teams. I think a division would be the most unwatchable division. But, uh, yeah, I mean, since we're on the topic, we might, might as well talk about it now. For the Bears... I, we'll touch on that uh, more next week, but it's Mitch Trubisky or nothing. I mean, their defense is the top three in football. They, they have Eddie Jackson, Cleo Mack, uh, Akeem Hicks. They have, they have some of the best players in football, but it all rides with the quarterback, with Mitch Trubisky, and he didn't really show him anything last year. I mean, you go back to the 2017 NFL draft, and you see that the the Bears traded up one spot, the number two overall pick to make, to, to make a Mitch Trubisky selection, and then with Pat Mahomes still on the board, like, people's like, oh, well, you didn't know that Pat Mahomes was going to be all that, like, Yes, I did. My mock draft, I had him going in the top 10 every single time. And then he fell with the Chiefs, and I, I thought he was going to be very special. Like Pat Mahomes has been one of my like day one guys who I just can't believe teams passed on. I was never all in on Trubisky. I mean, he went to UNC, started one year. I mean, okay, he could throw a good ball, but what's he going to do with one year of experience? Playing football in an ACC, which with North Carolina, who didn't really play that, had that good of a competition besides a Clemson or a Pitt. But, um... So yeah, I'm not sold on him at all. And like people think that he could win MV like an MVP dark horse this year. Like, get out of here, man. Is that dude had an average defense, like a 16th, 17th overall defense? They'd be seven and nine, six and ten every single year. But if you if you pick Pat Mahomes, like in that draft, last year they would have made the Super Bowl, and this year they would have made the Super Bowl, and it wouldn't have been a question. Like football is the most where you don't know every single year. But I, I think it's pretty safe that you would have known that this team would have been either, uh, at least in the Super Bowl if they had that defense and Patrick Mahomes. Like, I don't think it's even close. So I don't even think I told you guys. Cause I get so tried sidetracked. Just I I go on forever about the NFL. But my NFC division I picked has to be the NFC East with all going on. So we're gonna start with the AFC North. Who is my favorite for the AFC North this year? The Baltimore Ravens. I think the Baltimore Ravens are gonna win the AFC North this year with the Pittsburgh Steelers being second. This is why. The Baltimore Ravens this offseason they lost some talent on the defensive side of the ball. They lost C.J. Mosley. But they added Earl Thomas, Mark Ingram. They have Marlon Humphrey coming back, cornerback from Alabama for his third year, who's looked better than ever so far in training camp and had a really underrated year last year. They have Judon on the edge, who's a beast. I saw him play live, Ravens versus the Bucks. He was a beast on the edge. I mean, this team is really good. And 
Lamar Jackson doesn't have to throw the ball to win games, to win the division. I'm not talking about the Super Bowl. I'm saying who's going to win the division from the AFC North. Lamar Jackson can run the ball 250 times this year. They have Mark Ingram, who I think is a perfect complement for that Ravens offense. I think he's perfect. I think he is very underrated and was kind of overshad- overshadowed by Kamara. But I, think, I mean, trust me, I watch him play twice a year with the Bucks every single game. He is a really underrated runner, and he is very good too. And for them to add him, it wasn't it wasn't that much. They they got him for it. It was a two year deal. I think that was a really good ad for them. They did. Um, What's it called? Yonda. They have Yonda on the line. They have a pretty good offensive line, too. And I think they're definitely, they should be considered the favorite this year because of what they can do just winning. I think Harbaugh's a proven just winner in football, and I think he could really do it. But then I, I want to, okay, so there's going to be people that hear this or watching this like, oh, what about the Browns? Like, they're, they're so good this year. They're going to have, they're going to be so amazing. Okay. Baker Mayfield, Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry. Greedy Williams. That team, if they are two and two or two and three by week six, they will be in shambles and they will be done for the rest of the year. That is ego city on that team. I've said it before. I'm going to say it now. That team is all full of egos. <clears throat> and Odell Beckham hasn't proved to me yet that he could that he could be a winner. That he could be a winner and and he could be on a team that wins. He doesn't like that the ball's not getting thrown to him. The ball's getting thrown to Landry and Njoku too much. He's going to cry and complain, and that team's going to be a mess with Baker too. Because we saw Baker was hot at the end of the year. But if he starts losing games and he doesn't like it, because he's not going to like it. Because Baker, he's a leader. He's a leader. But he's a leader that can be a baby sometimes. And he's shown that in college. He's, he's not matured enough. He's an immature guy who's not a leader yet and needs to take that step forward if he wants to be a winner in this league. Greedy Williams. He, I mean, he fell all the way to the second round pick number 50. Because of his ego. And just his attitude. And I mean... I watch that guy's tape too. People for like greedy. Oh, that's a steal. I didn't want the Bucks to pick him when he was on the clock and when he was available with the 39th overall pick. I did not want them to take him at all. They ended up getting Sean Murphy Bunton out of uh, Central Michigan University, who's having a very good training camp so far. But we'll talk about we'll talk about the Bucks later. But yeah, greedy. He can't tackle. He can cover very well. Yeah, and don't get me wrong. He's a great cover corner, but he can't really tackle. He's not physical at all, and he has a big ego. So I'm saying, and also. We talked to the coach with the Ravens. We're going to have to talk to the coach with the Browns. Freddie Kitchens has not proven himself at all to be anything special in this league. He's been an offensive coordinator, but he hasn't shown he can handle a locker room. And I think that is the most underrated part of being a coach is being able to have a control on the locker room. I mean, look at, look at the Patriots. I know it's easy to say look at the Patriots, but seriously, what I just said is absolutely right with what the Patriots do. Look at Bill Belichick. You think anybody will, will talk back to him or think that he's wrong? No. This dude, the Belichick is... Everything that a player wants in a coach, respectable, knows what he's talking about, and doesn't really lose that much. He's won six Super Bowls. So, I mean, I think the coaching part, Freddie Kitchens, I think he could be a good coach. I think he could run a good offense. Him and Todd Munkin, I think they can call a good offense. But not all of it is just X's and O's in offensive defense. It's about having locker room control and knowing what to do with your players and playing to their strengths. So that's why I'm not that big of a fan of the Browns, and that's also why I put the Steelers second. Because I don't think people realize, but they were still one one play, one pass shy of making the playoffs next year without Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell. I mean, I thought AB was one of the. I think AB is still the best receiver in the league. I think him and DeAndre Hopkins are the two best receivers in the league. But also, Juju Smith is stepping to a really. He's going to be the number one receiver. That's obvious. And James Conner is a pretty damn good running back too, with Ben Roethlisberger, who led the league in passing yards last year. 
And they're pretty good defense. I mean, they're not a great defense, but they're not a defense that can hold. And with a coach like Mike Tomlin, who's won in this league, and is a, is a veteran coach who was just signed to an extension, but also, hand, I got to talk about hands in the locker room too. I, 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 can't be, I can't be hypocrite here. He did a terrible job with that last year. He was awful with that. With what happened with naming Juju Smith the player of the year like week 13 and then AB sat out week 17 and just all the chaos that went out with the holdout. Like that's not – I'm not going to put that blame too much on him with the holdout. I mean that, that's the ownership right there. That's the Roonies that, that should have handled that. But um, it still happened and it was a very big storyline that Le'Veon Bell did not play one game in the regular season last year and will now be a New York Jet. So I think – but again, this division – will be the most competitive division in football. I'm not really going to talk about the Bengals. I mean, now that A.J. Green got hurt, what is there to talk about? Jonah Williams tore his labrum. It was, I mean, he would have been their starting left tackle, guaranteed. He would have got great playing time, would have matured for next year, maybe under a new quarterback, not Andy Dalton, maybe uh, Ryan Finley, who they drafted in the third round from NC State, who I thought was a top-five quarterback in the draft. I thought he was number five. I thought he was right there with Daniel Jones in terms of talent. And... They just don't really have much. They signed Tyler Boyd's a good player. They signed to a four-year, forty-three million-dollar deal, but I, I just don't know. I think Zach Taylor, he was he was a QB coach with the Rams. I think he didn't get the credit that he deserved. I don't think Jared. I think Jared Goff is a system quarterback, and I think he made Jared Goff play into that system very well. So I think that I thought that was a good hire. I mean, I didn't really think anything any guy, any guy was a bad hire. I mean, Adam Gase, I thought he was probably the, had the worst track record as a, as a head coach because there weren't many of them. And Bruce Arians was a head coach. He was hired. But um, Vic Vangio wasn't a head coach. He was hired. Brian Flores wasn't a head coach. Cliff Kingsbury was a head coach in college, but not in the NFL. But, um, yeah, I think that's – I think you had to look at it from both ways, like from head coaches and then assistant coaches. It's a completely different ballgame. Again, adjusting to the NFL world and being a head coach in the NFL, I think that takes a little getting used to. But I do think having some head coaching experience whether in the NFL or college does play a big role in that. So that, that's, that's my uh, two cents on the AFC North. Let's move uh, to the NFC East with the Giants, Redskins, Cardinal, Cow- sorry, Cowboys, and Eagles. So let's start off with the Giants. I want to talk about the Giants because I don't just look for everything to hate on the Giants. It's pretty hard not to hate on what they've been doing or just question what they've been doing ever since April. So I'm going to go back. Yeah, the Daniel Jones pick. They picked Daniel Jones number six overall. I thought he was one of the worst quarterbacks in the draft. I think he's a one-read quarterback, and I don't think he's, he's proven anything at Duke. I, I mean, I really don't. I mean, the fact that Haskins was on the board, and they, and they picked Daniel Jones over him and let Haskins go to a division rival at 15 is just beyond me. Now, Daniel Jones hasn't really had a good camp. Yeah. And I know the Giants fans would want to, like, fight for him because he's still a quarterback, which they should. They definitely should. They should They should expect very good things from him if you invest on a quarterback with your number six overall pick. I mean, listen to this, people. He, he's the future in, in, in the eyes of David Gettleman. He's the future of the, of the Giants franchise. But I feel like I'd have a completely different tone on this matter if the, if the, if the Giants picked Josh Allen at six and then the Redskins picked Haskins at 15. And then the Giants went Daniel Jones at 17. That's, I mean, that would have been respectable, I thought. Kyler Murray and Dwayne Haskins off the board, and then, and then you pick Josh Allen there. Sorry, um, Daniel Jones. I think that's completely different. I don't know. And then also with what's going on in training camp with the Giants, I mean, what are they going to do at receiver? I, I questioned the Golden Tate deal when it happened, and, and not, not because he's a bad player. He's a really good player. 
But what are the Giants trying to do? Are they trying to rebuild? Are they trying to compete? Like, why are you throwing $12 million at a 26-year-old receiver per year for four years? I just, I don't really understand it. And then you had Corey Coleman go down, Sterling Shepard go down. It's just a, nothing that you could really be happy for. I mean, Jabril Preppers, I think he's, I think he's a good player. I think he, I think it was a fresh start. I think he can be good. I think Evan Ingram's going to be a top five tight end in the league this year. Um, I think uh, DeAndre Baker is going to start play right away. But what I thought was a better value pick was Julian Love, the nickel cornerback from Notre Dame. I think he'll be a starter right away. You have Sam Beal back, who tore his ACL in the twenty eight. Uh, they picked him in the twenty eighteen supplementary draft. Who was a good player. They definitely have things to look up to, but just in, in terms from a winning standpoint, and it's kind of hard to like root for them when Dave Gettleman's your general manager. I mean, when he's the one making the decisions, like with Odell and everybody, it's just it's really hard to root for when you know that your future is in that guy's hands. Because I think he's a really bad general manager, and I and I don't think and I think he ruined Carolina too, like with trading trading away Josh Norman and then like keep keeping Cam and everything with this shoulder. And I don't know. I, I don't like Cam. I don't. I think Cam's very overrated. But, um, yes, yeah, so moving on for the Giants. We talk, I talked about the Redskins. I, I don't think – I don't know if they're in play to win the division this year, but I do think Haskins is going to play right away. I think he's going to be a day-one guy uh, unless unless um, Gruden wants to give it to Keenum and just let him uh, tear it up. Or not tear it up. Tear it up in the opposite way and just be awful and then be forced to put Haskins in like around week four or five. But – um. I don't, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, you never. You also never know with the NFC East. You know why? Because there's never been a back-to-back division winner in nine years. Like, the Cowboys are not a lock to win this thing. People have mixed emotions on the Eagles. Carson Wentz, is he going to go back to MVP form or no? Is he not? Is he going to have a bad year? A lot of people think that. A lot of people aren't sold on Carson Wentz at all. And I, I don't know what to think about it either. I think the Eagles are the most 50-50 team coming into the league this year. I think they have a top seven defense, but it wasn't the 2017 defense that they had. They added Deshaun Jackson, who I think can still be a good player for them. Even though he's old, but he can run. But, um, yeah, just ignore that phone. <laughs> uh, the Cowboys? The Cowboys is a very, is a very, I don't know what the Cowboys are going to do. Because, um... It, it's about money. They paid they paid Demarcus Lawrence, but it's about what you're gonna do with Dak and Zeke. Who do you pay? That that's one of the biggest questions right now. Zeke Zeke has a holdout right now, and he's holding out right now. And my question is is who do you pay, Dak or Zeke? I think you pay the quarterback. Who do I think is a better player? Zeke. I think Zeke could be more valuable to them, but I think the quarterback positions are more valuable to the team. And I I don't know. I just think I think Zeke deserves his money, but he can't prove it to me yet. Off the field, what he's done, getting arrested and speeding tickets and everything and just not being able to stay out of trouble, I think it's a huge question of what to do with him. And I think it's a very I – think, I think giving Zeke the bag is – I think he's the top of the running back in football. But I just, just – imagine what he, what he do when he gets his money and what he's doing right now when he doesn't have his money and getting in trouble and everything. I think it's a huge question that should not be underlooked at all. So, yeah, that's uh, – that's about it for the for the NFL. So I'll talk more NBA next week, but we're at about 30 minutes right now. So I'm going to sign off right now. Thank you guys so much for listening. Next week, we're going we're gonna to talk about all three. So please send me, email me, text me your questions about any single sport that you have. I'll answer them at the end of, this, at the, end of the show. And thank you guys so much for your support. 
Uh, follow me on Twitter at Podcast Give. I'll be tweeting out updates of what, what to talk about, what are the big headlines, what's going on right now. And yeah, just pretty much anything you guys want. So thank you guys for watching. I'll see you next week. Have a good one.